Good morning, everybody. And thank you, Ntando, for that powerful worship. And thank you, darling. We're starting a new series today. It's called The Big Reset. And we're going to just do it over two weeks and then we're going to go into our Build Conference. And as unusual and as challenging as the season is, it gives us a unique opportunity to hit the reset button, to start afresh, to start anew. It was Leon Tolstoy, the great Russian mystic, who said the following. He said, everybody thinks about changing the world, but nobody thinks about changing themselves. And I put it to you that we have an opportunity, a unique opportunity to, to change ourselves, to allow God to change us. And let's not just change ourselves, but having been changed, let's go out there and change the world. So we're going to talk today about resetting with God. And next week, Pastor Sai is going to talk about resetting our priorities. So come with me to 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. And it reads, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. So background to the story, you've got Saul. Saul was the king and a bit like Thanos, super powerful, super big, but super bad. And then you've got his son and uh, his son is the prince, cool dude, but, but he's never going to really become the king. And that's Jonathan. And then Jonathan has a son, Mephibosheth, and, uh, and that's what we're going to look at today. And then there's David, the great King David. So everything changes for Mephibosheth on the day that they hear that, that King Saul has lost the battle. Jonathan was killed in the battle and, and King Saul is faced with, with complete defeat and he decides to commit suicide. So from going from a privileged position, from being third in line to the throne, although he's only five years old, on that day, everything changes. He's broken, he becomes crippled, he loses everything, he becomes an orphan. And the truth is, we are all Mephibosheths. And there's two aspects to it. Firstly, we, we are sons of the king, sons and daughters of the king. We have been made in the image of God, Genesis 1 verse 26. Royalty runs in our veins. There's greatness in us. And you know there's greatness in you. And Mephibosheth is, is a prince. And I wanna I want give you an illustration today. So I've been cycling lately and loving going outside. So here's a glove that I use when I cycle. And uh, this glove has been made in the image of this hand. Now, I can use this glove to swat a fly. I could use it to wipe my face. I could use it to, oh, disgusting. Or I could use it what it's really for. I can put my hand in it. And all of a sudden, because something is inside of it, it starts to fulfill its purpose. It starts to be what it's completely meant to be. And friends, we are exactly the same. We have been made in the image of God. We've made to fit with God. And as He comes into us, <laughs> as the fullness of God dwells inside of us, we walk in our purpose and we become all that we're meant to be. Now, Mephibosheth, ends up in a place called Lodabar, which literally means no pasture or no word. It's like the far end of nowhere, the bad side of the Karoo. But sauna end. And he ends up with crumbs. And he doesn't even have his own house. It says that he's staying at the house of Maki, who means bartered. And he's damaged. 
and he's broken and he's weak and he's crippled and he's dependent. And the Old Testament is full of types and shadows. And the friends, all of us have got a degree of brokenness. Some of us have been through trauma. Some of us have had things done to us. Some of us have, have done things to people. And because of this, anger has come and loneliness, maybe a hypersensitivity to criticism, maybe an addiction to pornography, maybe fears have come in, maybe anxieties, maybe addictions. Maybe it's even worse. Maybe there's been betrayal of the worst kind. Maybe there's been sexual abuse. Maybe there's been rape. I don't know what you've been through, but we are all like Mephibosheth. On the one hand, we are made in the image of God. On the other hand, we are broken and we are far from God. And, and the whole of the human race is like this. Morally, we cannot live up to God's perfect standards. Physically, we are weak and hence the lockdown and, and, and we get sick and we get old. And spiritually, we cannot make ourselves righteous. We cannot stand in the presence of God. And yet there's wonderful news. We are pursued by the king. So we go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now David is now at the top of his game. He's the king of Israel and Judah, and he's brought the ark across. This is before he commits sins with, with Bathsheba. He's at the top of his game. He is wealthy. He is strong. And he represents Jesus Christ. 2 Samuel chapter 9, it says, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show a kindness for Jonathan's sake? Him and Jonathan were best of friends. And, and he promised, Jonathan asked him, and he promised that you know, if, if he comes into his, his kingdom, his power, he will, he will be good to him and he will be good to his family. Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And the king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir. I love this. David says, I want to be good. I want to be kind. I want to be good and kind to someone who's done nothing for me. I want to be good and kind to, to someone who can't do anything for me. Such an image of God's heart and God's love towards us. You know, in those days when a new dynasty came into place, it was much like a cabinet reshuffle. The old went out and in came the new. So he knew, Mephibosheth knew that he was a threat to the king. Son of Jonathan, Jonathan was first in line. He would have been second in line. And so he's a threat to the king. He's an enemy of the king. But David comes after him not to harm him, but for good. There was a funny story about a Volkswagen, this little red Volkswagen that was stolen by the thief and a small little town. And all of a sudden on, on all the radios, it was, we got to get this red Volkswagen, got to get this little red beetle. And all the radio stations and everybody was after this red beetle for the simple reason that the owner said, look, he's very concerned because there were biscuits on the front seat that he had laced with rat poison to catch the rats. And so the police and everybody were after him, not to lock him up, but to save his life. Luke 19 verse 10 says, 
talking about Jesus, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. And God comes after us. The King pursues us, not to harm us, but to save our lives. You know, Ziba doesn't even mention Mephibosheth by name. He describes him according to his weakness and his brokenness. And, you know, so often you hear how people, their identity is, yeah, it's him who did the fraud or it's her, she's a bit of a, a loose person or whatever it might be. And people identify us not by our name, but they identify us by our failings and our, mistake, and our mistakes. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's been done to you. Doesn't, I don't know where you've been. I don't know how far you've fallen, but this I know. The king is coming after you. God is pursuing. And, and David, it doesn't matter where he is. Lodabar was the furthest out of it, lowest place. And God doesn't care where you are today, what you've done, how far you are from him. He's pursuing you and he's coming after you and he wants to bless you and he wants to love you. Many years ago, I was about seven and uh, my mom took me and my sister to the doctor and uh, we had to get injections. And I just got this vivid image in my head of the doctor chasing my sister around the table and uh, She's probably going to watch this, trying to catch her, to give her an injection. And I can just imagine how Mephibosheth, when, when the horses and, and the hounds and the king's men arrived at his house, he was probably terrified, not knowing that God was coming after, or David rather, David was coming after him for good. And God comes after us for good. And the doctor was chasing my sister for good, to do something good for her. We continue in verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said to him, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? You know what you notice here? The first thing, the king for the first time, nobody else says, the king calls him by name. And the Bible talks about that God gives us a new name, who we really are, our real identity, not everything that we've done, not what people have spoken to you about, but our true name and our true identity. His response, Mephibosheth's response is twofold. The one is perhaps transactional because he says, at your service. Now, maybe it was customary. Maybe it was just a, a way of describing honor. But the truth is, there's nothing that he could do. There is nothing that he could serve David in. He is broken, crippled with nothing at all. No wealth, nothing, but he says at your service. And, and we sometimes try to be transactional with God. We're like, God, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. But the best that we have is like filthy rags. And I encourage you, don't be transactional with God. There's nothing that you can do for him. All you can do is, is just come with humility. And, and that's the second thing that we see Mephibosheth does. He bows down before the king. And the Bible says this in James chapter four, verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
good to have an overflow of, of, of kindness to people, but it is so good to start from a place of humility, of saying, God, I have nothing. Won't you come in? Won't you cleanse me? Won't you wash me? I bow before you, King of kings and Lord of lords. And this is grace, the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor that comes from the King. This is what Mephibosheth receives and this is what is available to each of us. So the King comes with blessings and he promises him four things. First thing he says to him is, fear not, do not be afraid. And, and God wants to say to you today, don't be afraid. Don't run away from God because of your sins, because of your failings, because of how long you've walked away from God or, or don't fear him because of what you've been doing now. Second thing he says to him is, I'm gonna be kind to you. I'm gonna be good to you. And God wants to be good to you today. God wants to be kind to you today. Third thing is he says, I'm gonna restore you. I'm gonna restore to you the lands of, of your grandfather. I'm gonna restore everything to you. And then lastly, which is arguably the most beautiful of all, beautiful of all, he says, you're gonna sit at my family table. You're gonna sit with Absalom and Tamar and Joab and you're gonna sit, sit with us with, with dignity. And you know what happens when you sit at the table as a cripple? All of a sudden, your shame is no longer seen. It's taken away, but you, you sit shoulder to shoulder with the best. And you know what I believe happened as he sat around that table? He had been taken from this place, low the bar, which means no pasture. But as he sat at the table, low the bar was taken out of him. As he sat in the presence of the king, as he sat with David, not only had he been taken from Lodabar, but Lodabar, that, that mindset of being an orphan, that mindset of being broken was taken away from him. And he started to sit as a prince. And the more we spend time with God, the more we spend time in his word, the more we are transformed into his image. 2 Samuel chapter 19, way further down the line in David's reign, we hear how David faced a rebellion from Absalom and uh, Mephibosheth's men helped David out. And at the end, when David comes back as the conquering king, back to Jerusalem, you know what Mephibosheth says? He says, I'll just be satisfied to be at the table. I'm happy just to be at the, change, at the table. As we are changed, our appetites change. Our desires change. Now on my way here, I bought some beautiful flowers. I bought them for Nicola and uh, she hasn't seen them yet. I'm gonna give them to her when I get home. And uh, there's two different routes. The one is, as I give them to her and she says, oh, what are these for? I could say, I'm just giving them to you because I have to. And that would go nowhere. You know, it's my obligation. Far better. <laughs> and what I intend saying is, darling, I got you these flowers because I love you. And I would like nothing better than to take you out for dinner tonight and, and for a dance and to have a beautiful romantic evening with you. Now, obviously I can't do that with this COVID lockdown, but we can do maybe a version of our own. Her hearing that my desire is for her and to spend time with her and to enjoy her and her to enjoy me. And these gifts are just a token of, of it. It's a beautiful stance. And Mephibosheth is changed. And as we spend time with God, our attitude changes and our hearts change. And no longer are we doing things 
because we have to do them. We're doing them because we want to do them. We're doing them because God has touched our lives. We're doing them because He has changed us from the inside out. So, as I come to an end, friends, we are all Mephibosheths. We are princes and princesses made in the image of God. Yet there's some brokenness in our lives that, that needs the touch of God. Secondly, the king is coming after us. He's pursuing you. He loves you. And not to harm you, but to be kind to you and to be good to you. Thirdly, all that is required is humility. We can't be transactional. All that is required is for you to bow before the Lord and say, God, here I am. Forgive me. And it was so interesting. Later on in Mephibosheth's life, um, there was an opportunity again for judgment against him. And, and maybe you're a Christian here and, and you're feeling condemned. Again, God, or rather David gave mercy and God gives mercy to you today. The king wants to come with blessings to your life. He wants to call you by name. He wants to tell you, don't be afraid. He wants to show you kindness and he wants to restore you. And above all, he wants you to sit at his table. And he wants you to come to a place whereby you say, it would, be, it would give me no greater joy than to spend time with you, than to enjoy you, God. So as we come to a close, I want us to pray. And I want to pray first of all with you if you're a Christian and uh, you're kind of in and out. You're allowing God in and then you're withdrawing from God. And so you, you're not being that, that man, that woman who's made in the image of God. And I want to pray for that first. Father, we just welcome you to come in. We welcome you to come in that we would live our lives with great purpose and great fullness in great abundance, because you are dwelling within us. Lord, we repent where we have been distracted, where we have drifted, Lord God, and we say again, come in. And secondly, I want to pray, you are far from God. You really are outside of him. You are in Lodabar. You that Mephibosheth who's, who's not walking with the king, you're not at the king's table at all. Know this today, that your sins will not separate you from God. All that is required is your humility. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer now. And all that is needed is for you to acknowledge your brokenness and the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God will come upon you. So pray this prayer aloud or pray it in your heart. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm broken. I ask that you would come in. I ask that you would cleanse me. I ask that you'd forgive me. I ask that you'd come into my life and fill me. I declare that you are my saviour. I declare that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, please contact our discipleship team. We would love to help you on your journey. Thank you for being with us this morning. God bless you.